Hello and welcome to a new episode of the All New 52 Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Schrimmer, and across from me is my good friend, Kayla Bunn. Howdy, howdy. And we talk about comics on this podcast from the new to the old to the classics, which is what we're covering this week. This is episode 65, and today, Caleb, what are we talking about? We are talking about the infamous Days of Future Past. I would say it's more famous than it is infamous. Yes, true. Infamous <laughs> does usually have a negative quality. One more day is infamous. I'm Days gonna, of Future Past, generally. I'm, let me use a word that you hate, but I do think applies here. Iconic. It applies here, so I don't yeah. hate it. Um, this is, of course, by Chris Claremont uh, with John Byrne. He was the artist, but he also co-plotted. Uh, Terry Austin is the inker. Tom Orzakowski, letter. Glennis Wing, colorist. Louise Jones was the editor, and Jim Shooter was the editor-in-chief. This is basically the most classic lineup of X-Men creators you can get from the letter to the writer. Wow. Yeah, this is this is like the Imperial period for X-Men. The, the dream team, yeah. as it were. Well, and you know, there are a bunch of different artists who came on and came off. John Byrne is probably the most, uh, him and uh, Dave Cockrum are probably the most classic artists. I feel like this is going to be a divisive episode where there's so much to talk about. There's so little to talk about. And yet we will reach our, our average runtime. It is two issues. Two and a half. Yeah. But those are two issues that change comics and definitely, definitely left an impact for sure. So the days of future past storyline is actually pretty simple. There's a, there's a bad future. The far off year of 2013. Oh, spooky. Ooh, I remember junior year. No, that was even sophomore year. Oh, oh man. sophomore year was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, mutants are being hunted down by the Sentinels, those evil, purple, goofy-looking robots. And my gosh, there's got to be something to stop it. So Kitty Pride, who has been introduced very recently, is going to go back to the past into her younger body. And they're going to stop that brotherhood of evil mutants from doing their evil mutant shenanigans. And that's it. Yeah, the brotherhood is the one led up by Mystique. So it's Destiny, Blob, Pyro, Avalanche. And they are trying to assassinate Senator Kelly. It's during a presidential election cycle. Senator Kelly is a bigot, as many are. But he's a good man down deep. The mutants just have to get to him. And so if he gets if he gets assassinated, that's going to start a chain event. Um, but get to the end of this and it's like mm, did they actually change anything who knows okay so i got a couple questions sentinels had shown up before this right sentinels were in the 60s they showed up in claremont very early on i want to say they were the third villain that the new fi- or the all new team fought and then i don't know if they popped up since then uh up until this point but yeah, they were they had pre-established. Okay, so the Sentinels aren't a new threat. No, no. Okay. And th- this isn't just a collection thing. Kitty was a new member to the team. Yes, Kitty came on basically right after Scott left. Okay, so it was it had been like two or three issues yeah. or whatever. Okay. I think Kitty premieres before them, but she doesn't come to the mansion until like the issue you read which is Scott leaving mm-hmm. the team, it ends with her pulling up to yes, the mansion. Yes. I got I got to that part. Yeah. Wow. Way to introduce a character and then immediately make them a centerpiece of what would become one of the most important stories in comics. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you look at it, it's like it's two issues. So if it doesn't land, it doesn't land. But people love Kitty Pride. Mm-hmm. You know, the two 
uh, Scott is the main character of most of the run up until this point, but that issue, which uh, hands over it, like it recaps basically all of X-Men history. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of serves to hand over the mantle of protagonist. Was it an annual or no, that's just, that was the issue that followed up the dark Phoenix saga. Okay. So, and you have to think this was at a point where they kind of had to explain stuff because there weren't collections out. Yeah. There wasn't Wikipedia. So most of the people reading this, they may have been reading Claremont stuff, but it would be pretty hard to get your hands on all of the old Silver Age stories. Yeah, I'm sure it was back then. And I'm, it's just as hard now, even with our unlimited ways of finding old stuff. Yeah, yeah. But at least you can find recaps of them. Yeah. Like when we read uh, Grand Design, mm-hmm. which I realized after rereading this issue, it's like, oh, that's it's basically just Grand Design, except without the retcons. Yeah, Grand Design's better. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Listen, we're here to talk about Days of Future Past, not, I think, Elegy is the name of that issue. Maybe. Issue 138. Um, Yeah, Elegy. There are good things here, I think, uh, and he definitely plants some seeds that would come up like uh, the Imcon Crystal. But I, I, one of the panels, if, if we're going to talk about how this is kind of a slog where it's just recapping things, there's also some good character moments like when Scott has a cloud, a thought cloud full of like, I don't know how I can go on from this. And then Gene Gray's dad comes up. And it's like, how are you doing? And his next thing is, oh, I'm fine. Like, I think that's very characteristic of Scott. Yeah. You want to you talk about the art? Yeah, sure. It's John Byrne. It's complicated because John Byrne's not a great guy. Uh, however, <laughs> he's a good artist. Um, yeah, no, he, this is hard to talk about because this is the base design until Jim Lee came on. This would be what you would associate as the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And I think still to this day, a lot of these characters, this is kind of their definitive look, but it's amazing. Like he does a fantastic job here. He does a fantastic job aging up Kitty to make her into Kate pride and to make that work. There's this one panel of like all the X-Men in the danger room control room laughing. And the way storm is like leaning over the console, it's like such a casual, but believable like posture. It's really good. It's very dynamic. I think your bias is showing a little bit. I don't like John Byrne. Dave Cockrum, <laughs> I prefer Dave Cockrum. I prefer <laughs> Bill Sienkiewicz. I prefer just, like, he is not my favorite X-Men artist, but there's a reason he's the definitive one. Okay. I hate saying good things about John Byrne. Okay. I think the art's acceptable. I think a lot of it, like the wording, is a jumbled mess of overindulgence in the medium. Do you think that's because it looks so standard like it looks so classic because i feel like you could say the same thing about john ramita art yeah there's i think it has more to do with uh who this isn't like a a, an attack on the colorist but the more muted colors that are going on here yeah so it's just like you know it's not a muddy mess but there's definitely not uh, a lot of popping going on even though they do have very colorful costumes i do always wonder i have no idea here because i don't have the original issues if that's a digital recoloring thing Mm -hmm. because whenever they release a trade they digitally recolor it yeah sometimes they do a good job sometimes they don't yeah so but yeah i I feel like that's a fair criticism it's yeah it's it's your it's your standard what 80s fair of art is that what this is 70s 70s it's your standard 70s fair i you, there there's there's worse looking comics <laughs> yeah and but like i don't know i've i've 
comparing to other 70s comics, like comparing to some of the uh, DC Presents stuff we've read, and that might be getting into the 80s, but like this is so much better than all of that and stuff. I, I'm wondering if that's because it's like, ah, clear pages <laughs> and not maybe i feel like aged uh yellow pages i feel like with the inking though you can look past that the pencils and inks yeah i don't know it's hard to separate the two for me a lot of the time like i said i prefer cockerman's and kevich but you know and davis there's a lot of classic x-men artists i prefer to burn not just because of his uh his politics but you know i do think there's a reason he is the standard Mm mm-hmm Let's go into positives. I don't have a lot to list because this is, it's a fairly standard X-Men fair. The only thing is this one, for some reason, became the the big one. Maybe, maybe you'll do a better job of explaining that at a certain point. But I do like uh, a lot of the segments in the Danger Room and just the team building stuff that they have going on towards the middle of the first issue. Yeah, That part, I think, is where this book shines. And it doesn't ever quite reach that same height. Spare for one moment that's completely separated from the team building stuff. I think what you read as standard X-Men fair, it's standard because of this story. The mutant metaphor is never as pronounced before this. This is really what I think kind of solidifies that this is a comic about stuff. My God, Love Man Kills come out. Was that an 80s That was after this. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm constantly comparing it to that in my head. Oh, God Loves Man Kills is better. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, this is this is worse in like every way than God Loves Man Kills. Yeah, God Loves Man Kills is one of the greatest superhero comics ever made. Yeah, but so, but yes, this does have also have a similar reputation. I think what this does that God Loves Man Kills doesn't is that this is in continuity. This mm-hmm. was just part. This wasn't like a prestige graphic novel title this was just a monthly thing this this cost the exact same amount as the i'll be honest kind of bad windigo issues right before it which you didn't read but trust me those were pretty bad this is this seismically shifted what x-men comics would be by throwing in the idea of you don't have to be bound by this timeline you can go into alternate timelines you have to remember 616 wasn't a thing there was just the world mm-hmm. um, multiverse won't be introduced to Alan Davis uh, fantastic form. Maybe I played a little bit into that. Um, not Alan Davis, Alan Moore, uh, his captain Britain run. So alongside that, you also have the metaphor coming out. And I think this is fairly well, you know, the mute metaphor can be a tricky thing and it can be done better sometimes than others. I think for the most part, the bones of this story really work there. I also think this is just a good, like showing that characters can evolve and change. Kate pride is very different than Kitty pride. And Claremont takes great, goes to great lengths to prove that. And I think that highlights how he is interested in making sure that the characters never stay in a stagnant point. I mean, when he wrote Cyclops out of the book in 138, that's because he didn't want him to come back. He would come back as like a guest star. He never wanted him to be a superhero again because he thought that his story was over. And I think you can see a similar thing here with Kitty turning into Kate. He didn't want Kitty to just be the Bucky, you know, eyes wide in type character. He wanted her to eventually, and I would say she does eventually, grow into a much more more mature, experienced character. But did he overshoot himself by doing that so early into her appearance in the book? I don't think I don't know Kitty well enough to to notice any differences in terms of 
of course she's going to be different 40 years later. Yeah, yeah. So No, no, because she the character I think she matures into and this is tough because also other writers take over. Yeah. It's very different than Kate Pride. I'd say the Kate Pride we have now in comics cuz she no longer goes by Kitty is wildly different from both Kitty as she's introduced and Kate Pride from Days of Future Past. I can't give that as a thumbs up to the comic though. Well, I'm not expecting you to <laughs> okay, I was like, because that's... but I the point being there is I think what you see Claremont he's here and whether he was aware of that or not i don't know but just from a historical perspective as an x-men fan something i don't expect you to come into this with Mm -hmm. um you can see how willing he is to change characters and so i could sit down and explain to you how i love how much kitty changes from her first appearance to the last issue of excalibur and how i feel like she goes on this whole narrative arc but i don't need to because you can see that he at, he here at least conceptualizes the character as two different points of maturity, even though this story is not about that overall arc. Okay. I this feel is, like we could go more into that. I, I mean, I'd be interested because th- this is solely coming. I this is solely coming from someone who loves the X Men. That's not where I was, I was expecting you to go with like explaining like the the success of this comic, and I f- I, I don't feel like that can be positive if this character had not existed in continuity for that long like not even in continuity in existence for that long if if i if i i don't it's 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 like a it's like a john kent thing that they did now where he was a kid for for so long and then all of a sudden he's an adult where it's like well he hasn't existed for that long so yeah him him becoming like a different character or him having a different character characterization is like is that is that is that good writing or is it or is it just here here's how you would think someone would grow up? I don't like I, I, can't, I, I can't I can't I can't give a 40 year time skip worth of a character as characterization. Yeah, I think there's a contrast there. You can contrast Kate and Kitty. Now, I went on a whole thing contextualizing it in the rest of Claremont's X-Men. I understand if you can't really engage with that because you don't know if you agree or disagree. Yeah, because we're talking about this comic. But in this comic. The way Kate's narration and the way Kitty's narration is laid out is very different from each other. Like if we just cut it down to just the dialogue, just mm-hmm. the thought balloons or boxes, they're very different. Yeah. And that's characterization. I would expect it to be. Yeah. But it's good. Like okay. it's well done. Okay. Because you could just have like I, there's probably a billion comics where a superhero like goes through a time portal. And then it's just them in 40 years, but it's the same thing. Like, that's that's a bog standard, like, Fantastic Four story right there. Mm-hmm. But Stan Lee couldn't have written this. Like, no. Like, I, I feel like there is, a, there is an attention to detail, even down to, like, how the Brotherhood interacts and, like, their one main scene of interaction. But you do get this very big difference between Blob and Pyro and Avalanche. They feel like different people. And they're just goons. Yeah, they are. Oh, that's another positive. I love how Pyro's very foppish here because he's supposed to be like an Oscar Wilde type. I feel like that's been dropped in later versions of Pyro. I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> I don't know who Oscar Wilde is. And I don't know what foppish is. You don't know who Oscar Isaacs is? Oh, not you Oscar not. Isaacs. Oscar Wilde. No, I don't know. Who, you said Oscar Wilde. I don't know who Oscar Wilde is. Okay. He's a famous uh, famous literary figure. Oh, okay. He's gay. Uh, what's foppish? Foppish is like, it's a British word for kind of... Uh, Fancy, but also usually coded as gay. Yeah, it's a, it's a British word. Why would I know what that meant? 
know. I'm more surprised you don't know who Oscar Wilde is. No, I've never heard of this man in my life. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Should check out uh check out his Wikipedia page. Uh, I guess I don't know. <laughs> there's some cool action stuff in the later half. Uh, there's that very iconic scene where the Sentinel just blasts Logan and he's a skeleton. I love all the future action stuff. Like mm-hmm. when Cyclops just drops a block of buildings onto the onto the Sentinels. There's a there's an ability to not hold back, which I appreciate. Yeah, that's that's what makes it makes it seem more out of continuity than it actually is. Because it's just like, whoa, this is not excessive, but this is elevated. Yeah. Yeah. Which do you think that adds to the stakes of the story? Eh. Maybe when it came out it did. I, I, I'm looking at this from someone who 50 years of comics have existed since this came out. And this is kind of the standard comic fare where, you know, this is kind of what I expect from the X-Men. It, if it was the first, that's cool. But it's not, it's really not sticking above the rest that I've ever read. And uh, the one I like the most is infinitely better. Yeah, but you don't read ever. What's your favorite Spider-Man comic? Or uh, Batman. We can go to another superhero. Spider-Man is always my default for you. Yeah, that, there's so many Spider-Man comics. I really like, like Cor- uh, not, yeah, Court of Owls. It's okay. really pretty good. So when you pick up a new Batman comic, are you comparing it to Court of Owls? Yeah. Weird. Okay. I'm, comparing, I'm always comparing something to the thing I like the most, especially if it's like the same thing. Weird. Like if there's something there that is obvious, I'll compare it. Or if they're like... If they did, if Senator Kelly was a religious character, mm-hmm. I would obviously be comparing it to Reverend Stryker. But I, I read this and like I, like I guess I'll compare it to the other stuff Claremont was doing. But I wouldn't. I don't know. I wouldn't dock it points because it's not as good as a better thing. I'm not necessarily docking it points because it's not. It's not better. Like it's not being docked because it's not better. But, like, cause like I. You know, I, I judge everything in a bubble of like, I don't, I don't like when I'm doing ratings on Letterboxd and stuff, I'm not judging here. Oh, I like this, but do I like it as much as Inception? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not judging it like, like that or anything, but when it's, when it, when it's part of the same series of something, it's almost impossible not to, for me, at least. Interesting. Especially because this, this set a formula almost. Yeah, it definitely did. Yeah. Okay. I don't have anything to say further. It's just that gives me better insight into you. I like that even though we are, we've been friends for decades Mm -hmm. and we've, you know, talked about stories for decades that I still learn new things about you as we, as we read things. Oh yeah. I'm reading this. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I don't get it. (laughs) I don't get why it was this one. I feel like that that's a, a common trend though in classic stuff that you've shown me. Like, well, well, you didn't have that with God loves man kills. No, that was amazing. Uh, what other classic stuff? Because I'd say both the New Mutants and the Excalibur, those are more niche. New Mutants was something that I was like, why this one? Like, because that, that's the story everybody knows. I was like, yeah. I don't, well, I would say, I'd say if someone knows New Yeah, Mutants, if someone I knows know. New Mutants. But that that's one. mainly because the movie was based off of it. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I'd say. All-Star Superman was a why this one. Okay. Okay. That's a good pick. Okay. I was wondering. I was what like, else. why this? <laughs> All right. I guess. Uh. You didn't have that with Morrison's X-Men, though. No, that was fun. Yeah. which I And that was different, is, too. Yeah. I'd say that's about as classic as All-Star Superman. They line up time-wise mm-hmm. a bit. 
Interesting. Okay. I think both issues all around are pretty good. I feel like I nailed They're down. fine. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I'm trying because we're technically so positive. So I'm trying to find a good way to like get into the negatives. Yeah. Um, although we may have naturally drifted in there. Um, uh, I will say that one of the things I'm always impressed with Claremont is how he's able to balance all the different characters well. Um, like, you know, not everyone gets to do stuff here, but especially in the action. And then, of course, in the danger room sequence, you get to see them be unique and stuff. And I will say, I feel like seeing the desperation of the characters does make me believe the nuclear stakes of this, even though you never really see like the nukes getting prepped by Europe and all that stuff. See, maybe this is funny because last last week we talked about how I prefer shorter story arcs. But I feel like this one would have benefited from being twice as long. Well, where it's like, I feel like, I feel like this is just rushed and like compacted into this this two issue thing where you told me you're like it's two issues and I was like, huh? Well, <laughs> it's like really, <laughs> but it is twice as long as most other stories. Like the when you think about these stories from this point, they're either single issues, one and done, or, and this is something that was less common, you did have all those single issues when put together would make a big story like the Phoenix Saga. I was about to say, this is directly off of the Phoenix Saga. But the Phoenix Saga is like three years of comics with a bunch of different plots. Yeah. It's like, we're going to have our Hellfire segment. We're going to have our, like, I'm forgetting the other segments. The Jamaica Bay, that's what opened it. Forgetting the other segments of the Phoenix, Dark Phoenix Saga. But like, it was a bunch of other smaller stories that the reader probably didn't realize right away was leading to such a big thing. That's why so many people got mad when it happened. Why, like, so many people stopped reading because Gene died. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it needs to be a year-long epic or a, or a three-year-long epic. I was, you know, maybe just a three-parter or something like yeah. that. I feel like... I'm just not sure three-parters really existed at that point. What year was this? Because this is interesting, because I'm, I'm currently going through all my classic Amazing Spider-Man omnibuses. And I'm in a part where it's like almost serialized, where it's like each each individual issue is its own story, but they're directly leading into each other, where it's like consequences from an issue, or it's like immediately it's like, oh no, I gave Jameson a heart attack. Next issue, oh god, I'm still getting over giving Jameson a heart attack. Um, it's somewhere in seventy or seventy. Okay, so because these are sixty nine that I'm reading. Yeah, currently. But just because one comic does it doesn't mean that was standardized. No, it's. The the way you were saying it makes me it was like not everything is one issue at that point. I know that for a fact. Well, yeah, not everything is one issue here. He has a lot of two parters. Yeah, um, like that Wendigo thing was a two parter. Yeah, right yeah, before it. But when you think about it in terms of like he also wasn't setting out to write like the definitive X Men story. Yeah, this was just his next story. It just happened to be like I know you're not super impressed by it. You'd be even less impressed with the Windigo issues. <laughs> well, it's it's the it's the Avatar issue issue of why this one like that's that's the thing. Looking back yeah. on it, it's like I was not there for the original thing. So looking back on it, I'm just like this is this is all substandard to me. Yeah, and I mean, like I definitely think there are better X Men issues. Um, that's why I can't really sing any praises of it because I'm yeah. just like I'm not impressed. But. I I do think if you I can look back and I can see it might not be a thing where it's like, oh, this was the magic bullet that made it all work, but this is definitely Claremont and Byrne at their best. Or at least hmm. together. I think Claremont gets better when he's not with Byrne. 
eventually Claremont gets to the point where he can just bully everyone else and that and it works and then it gets to the point where maybe he's run out of ideas for the x-men and it stops working well I'll go, at that I'll, point let yet. me let me jump off that because I'll, I'll go into something about me not being impressed with i'll go other than me not being impressed with the comic yeah, yeah. uh god someone put this uh, some editor rein him in dear god he, the, the ego to write as much as this guy does oh he loves his writing mm, and i hate it <laughs> but as a, much as he loves it i will can't fight back at him to make it a net zero because god i hate it yeah too many words on a page at a time yeah i i can't really argue with it because i totally understand um i do enjoy it i enjoy his flowery language and he has a lot of isms that he goes back to like uh body and soul and all those and to me that becomes a shorthand so it's like because he's repeating all these like uh uh, this is Doug Ramsey. He's not invulnerable while blasting because he's like refre- repeating those refrains. It's more like you start to like read those as one word, or at least I do. Mm-hmm. There's a weird poetry to how Claremont writes, but yeah, it can be a lot sometimes. It's too much. <laughs> it can be a lot. It's far too much. <laughs> um, But it's weird. I don't have that with other older comics that have a lot of dialogue too, even if they have less dialogue. Again, I have a direct comparison in God Loves a Man Kills where you're warning me. You're like, I remember it's Claremont. You're like, he has an ism to him. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't get what you were hyping me up for for that one. Like making me scared of it because it was, it was nothing compared to two issues. He took, he had four issues and managed to get more words into these two issues. Yeah. And maybe that was the thing. Maybe that's going back to, in retrospect, maybe this should have been more, more uh, issues than it was. But at the same time. Him and Byrne didn't know it was going to be as special as it was. Maybe they did. I don't know. Yeah. I want to go back. I, I want to go back onto that. Unless you have more. Unless you have more that you want to say. No, I'm enjoying the conversation we're having. Okay. Okay. Because I feel, I, I, I think it is okay to criticize the length. Yeah. I'm not saying any of your criticisms are invalid. Okay. It sounded, it sounded like you were trying to say, I don't feel like that's uh, worthy of criticism if they didn't know it was about to be big or something. Because I don't, I don't think you should write something being like, "Oh, this is just standard fare." I feel like you, you know, you're writing everything to be good. Yeah, but you're not writing everything, or at least I don't think. I think you definitely burn yourself out if you're write every writing everything to be the best story ever written. But we can criticize something for being too long. Yeah, and I think you can criticize this for being too short. Okay, it sounds like you're trying. I to just go against that. Oh, I disagree with you. That's oh, why okay. I'm doing. Okay, okay. But I'm saying. <laughs> perfectly valid criticism i'm also gonna disagree with okay 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 never mind then i thought i thought you were saying yeah i don't think that's a problem and i'm like (sighs) well i can uh, yeah like every single criticism you've given except for like one or two offhanded ones within the i'm talking about the length of our show okay i was like today (laughs) no no within the length of our show one or two times like where i think you missed something reading it or whatever um I think every Which I do plenty of times. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I am oh, the and first I, to admit that oh, I don't get every comic. Yeah, and I sure I'm sure I've done that too. Um, but I think every single criticism you've given is valid. But that doesn't mean I'm not gonna, you know, say my differing opinion and stuff. See, this is this is bring up the thing because it's like okay, two issue story that became legendary or whatever. This I, I don't want to. I don't want to like write an episode that we would do but this is like the equivalent of me giving you night when stacy died or something like that which is another just two-parter but on one hand 
I don't, I don't. I just don't want to talk about that because I think it's. I think it's like really a boring story overall. <laughs> Where it's like, yes, it did have this influence. Yeah. But like now, I'm just like, ah, this is whatever. Here's my question about that because you've read it, I haven't, so I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, it, it'd be it'd be the Uno reverse of this yeah, situation. Yeah. I would say the entire story here, the plot, the concept. That's what's carried on. That's the legacy of this comic. Yes. I'd say the death of Gwen Stacy coming from an outsider's perspective. The only thing that's a legacy about that is the single moment. It's that she dies. I, I would I would argue Green Goblin dying is also just as definitive. Oh, see, I didn't know he died. Oh, yeah, one. no, he died. He dies immediately okay. after that, too. That's interesting. That's the end of Spider-Man one is that scene. OK, so he gets impaled by his own gilder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> OK, interesting. But even then, that's moments. That's not like the story of. I don't even know what I, the story is. See, I feel like moments are better than a concept. I feel like a concept, you can either be, it's like, yes, they utilize it to its full extent or the, I was let down by the concept. And in this case, I'm let down by the concept more than I am. So it being utilized because the concept happens. I'm like, I'm interested. Then it becomes a standard X-Men versus Brotherhood thing. Yeah, I don't know. I think this, you, it's weird, right? Because this now has a movie based off of it, and there, which is wildly different. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not thinking yeah, about the movie. I, I'm just thinking like there's there was an arc in the X Men animated series. Rachel, uh, Rachel Gray comes from this, or Rachel Summers comes from this. There's a bunch of Excalibur that goes back to Days of Future Past. So like, it's hard for me to talk about that because in my mind, Days of Future Past is just this one whole like corner of the Marvel universe mm-hmm. where it's its own reality. But I don't know. I feel like this story does like it does the concept it wants to do and sure it could explore more and it did explore more i wouldn't say it's underutilized or anything and i i don't know i think i think it is more interesting for a comic to have a whole overarching plot that's influential than a comic that has a moment that's influential that's going back to the dark phoenix saga the thing that's special about the dark phoenix saga is that gene dies at the end Mm -hmm. the rest of the couple years of comics are pretty good too but like no one no one talks about the phoenix saga they talk about the dark phoenix saga <laughs> yeah because it's a big it's a big shift in status quo yeah, yeah this this doesn't feel like a big shift in status quo which is that's usually what the big comics are it's a it's a big shift in status quo that you hear about and this one it, it wasn't a letdown it was like a rug pull almost where it was like you thought you were getting something but you weren't i think that's what's so what's so impactful about that is that you do you're able to get this story with like scale and scope for the time i agree it doesn't hold as much weight nowadays but like this does drastically change the types of stories the x-men deal with and it's able to do that very casually in two issues okay i think this is kind of an invincible problem of i've heard so much about this yeah yeah and i'm 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 reading it and I'm like, hmm, don't get it. <laughs> but then I later read all of Invincible and I was like, I got it. So maybe if I were to read the next 100 issues, 200 issues of X-Men following this, I'd be like, ah, well, I get it. You'd have to read the issues beforehand, too, to see how it changes. Yeah. The only difference is I'm not recommending those. <laughs> Nor will I. <laughs> yeah. Not that those are bad. The, the, the Phoenix Saga is in there. There's good stuff in there. But there are also Wendigo issues. Like... <laughs> Claremont wrote on the book for so long that there are definitely down points. <laughs> um, I do have some negatives, though. Or okay. I, have, I have a negative because we've been talking around this the whole time um, in a way that's kind of hard for me to p- pinpoint specifics. 
these last couple of sh- uh, episodes of the show, we've like abandoned our outline <laughs> at certain points. Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, but this does have this does have the thing. I for in the in the macro sense, the mute metaphor works. There are a couple of specific senses that I don't like here. And the idea of like Professor X over in the in the gallery telling Moira McTaggart that Senator Kelly is just a good man. We just he's afraid, and that's perfectly logical. We just have to get to him. Nah, that's some that's some bull. That's like one of the, one of the strengths about X Men as and you even get the here with uh with a character who shows up at the end. There's some characters who are just evil. Like there's some characters who are just racist. Mm-hmm. You don't have to like you don't have to respectability politics your way out of it. Like, I'm not saying the Brotherhood's right to kill, uh, to kill uh, Kelly either, but you know it's like Professor X is definitely wrong here, and I think I think Kate Pride says it too at some point where he's like it's he's he doesn't like he he may have some bad ideas, but he's still good, and it's eventually Senator Kelly does become a mutant ally, but that's more because you have to have you have to have character shifts over long mm-hmm. periods of time in comics, and less because they make a compelling like they change his mind compellingly. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just pondering on everything. Like I, I can give a hot take that I don't really believe, but I think we'll get fans mad at me. <laughs> Sentinels are lame. <laughs> okay. I think Sentinels are kind of lame. They're silly looking. The fact that they still look the same, because I, I'm thinking about this. My only other exposure to Sentinels in the comics has been new X-Men. And I thought they were just as, and I would thought they were worse there. And ultimate X-Men. Oh yeah. They are in that. Yeah. I thought they were worse in New X, but I'm like, God, they really have not progressed. Yeah. Besides I, getting sillier. I think we talked about that in one of our episodes about how they just don't change design. Yeah. And like this is the best story they're ever used in. I guess the I guess he is for extinction. That's my well, one comparison but... to the movie of thank God they didn't use that sin the classic Sentinel design for that movie. Oh yeah, no. They can update it. And they have like a goofy retro Sentinel in the movie. They did. It makes more sense. It's For me, it's not even the design. It's just like, this is constantly talking about how it's like, oh, this emotionless thing, even it can respect Wolverine. I'm like, it's cool. it's more fun if your villains have emotions. Mm-hmm. And also that falls apart. Like Sentinels are supposed to be like no emotion, pure logic. But at the same time, like if logic was your thing, that's supposed to save you from Sander Kennedy. Or, <laughs> Senator Kelly, what happened here? <laughs> like, shouldn't you be able to? If Kelly live greater than Kelly die. Well, and the the Sentinels have always been stupid because one time Cyclops convinced them that the the source of mutant like power was the sun because if there was no sun, there'd be no mutants, and so they all fly into the sun. <laughs> that was a Silver Age story. <laughs> God, Sentinels are lame. This is still the Silver Age. I yeah okay. My distinction with Silver Age X Men is the the like the first class yeah. the original five and then it breaks into the uncanny yeah and uncanny leads into the most of it's in the bronze age so that's why i say i make that distinction but yeah i don't know the firm cutoff dates between man that was a longer episode i knew we were gonna get something out of this i am glad we did um yeah and like unlike <laughs> what i also like about this is that I'll go to bad say this is like an amazing story and whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not one of my favorites. And so when you don't like it, I do. I'm not sad. Like I'm sad. <laughs> I was sad that you, not that you didn't like Excalibur, but that you hated Excalibur. <laughs> I'm, I'm, we don't talk about that comic. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm sad. You didn't like demon bear saga that much, but, okay. but here I'm like, you know, I was like, ah, oh, cool. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. No, I, I don't even not like it. It's just fine. <laughs> like it's that, 
the la- it's the three other comics we've read where I'm like, yeah, this is all okay. Yeah. Selena's big score. Yeah, it was fine. It's just weird when Selena's big score. I don't think anyone's offended besides you that I like. I- I'm gonna forget it in a month. Well, most that's people a- don't know it exists. Exactly. So it's fine. Yeah. Everybody knows this exists. So when I forget it in a month, that's what's gonna be weird. Yeah, I guess. Um, maybe remember. Oh yeah, I read that. What was it about? Well, when Disney remakes the movie and makes it terrible, you can you can be like recall some information, I guess. When uh, Hugh Jackman's back for one more last time. I don't want to talk about those movies. Um movies that don't exist yet, so I can't judge them. Ah, sure you can. I can definitely predict some things about them. I'm predicting that there will be no gay X-Men, the most gay team in all of superhero comics. That's one of the predictions. I no, there will be. Not in China. No, not in China. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be Iceman hugs a, per, hugs a guy for like two seconds longer than he would hug a woman. And then it gets cut out in China. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. You have any final thoughts? No. Cool. Do you? No. This is a good story. Yeah, it's fine. Honestly, this is a story that just kind of speaks for itself. Mm, I could, I could, we could go, oh, go for off. another 20 minutes go on off, that. King. I'm not going to, because <laughs> this whole thing was about how it changed. So I don't think it speaks for itself. No, I think, uh, yeah, I guess I should clarify that before we go. I enjoy it contextualized within the whole story. I also think the two issues just tell a really good story. Okay. I'll accept so, that more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Ooh, we can- <laughs> yeah, yeah." I think I think all the contextualizing adds to it. Yes, so, and it's more interesting. I think that's what's really helping hold it up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's impossible for me to say because I don't know what X Men would look like without Days of Future Past. Yes, or without the impact of Days of Future Past. Yes. All right, what you got from me, Joe? It's right there. Oh, I have a real quick question. For okay. You. Well, first off, we have to recommend things based off of this. Oh, um, okay. But also, do you want me to start bringing things that you would dislike more so we have less It's Fine episodes? Well, see, I feel like we got a conversation out of this. This is true. I'm not sure if I did that with, like, you know, any other issue of Uncanny X-Men. Are you asking if you can bring Saga back? Because please, no. No, I'm never bringing Saga back. I've told you that off off recording before. But... You're, you're you're changing the terms of the deal right now. So I'm just wondering, like, it, do you think we'd have more interesting conversations if I brought something? You know, like, I feel like there's an ebb and flow. We haven't necessarily got anything like that that I really hate in a while. Okay. Uh, the fact that, like, you know, if we were skating by, what? When was the apathy arc? Oh, I don't. You know. remember that? Though. Yeah, yeah. That would be the time to like. Okay, I need a strong emotional reaction to something. Okay, to I'll, get us out of that. I'll say we haven't. Or, we haven't been there yet. Yeah, I don't even know what I would give you with that. I, I would I would just like, I mean, I could give you one day more. <laughs> one more day. One more day. All right. Yeah, I, I see it. It's Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, we're good. You know, what's, we're, what's, we'll, we'll, make, we'll make it through this comic by the time this podcast is over. Yeah, what's the, uh, what's the uh, main story of this Ultimate Spider-Man? Uh, Harry Osborn's on the front. Okay. You know, that character we love him so dear in the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, he's been on a collective of seven pages. <laughs> He, is he still like hypnotized or brainwashed or whatever? Yeah, hey, you'll find out. Okay. And we, we will double his page count to 14. Wait, is that the whole story? Is that the whole 12 issues is Harry? I, I was reading this before you got home today. and I'm in the back half of it where it's something different. Bendis makes six you know, issue arcs. You know we gain Vulture. I want Vulture. I don't think we're ever getting him. Boo. I want my old man. 
I don't have anything to recommend off of Days of Future Past except every other Uncanny X-Men comic. So I like God Loves Man Kills more, so read that. I mean, yeah, it's better. Read that. Yeah. I don't think anyone really enjoyed hearing me talking down this comic, but if you've enjoyed the discourse. I mean, I think this is a lot more interesting of a conversation than the 17 X-Men podcasts I listen to where all they say is good things about it. Okay, yeah. So if you want to... If you want me to take a bite out of your favorite X-Men book and spit it on the ground and subscribe to this podcast, I'm sh- I'm sure there will be more moments of that in the future. Maybe. You said you didn't want to do superheroes for a while, so I might hold off on X-Men. I'm getting comic fatigue, not necessarily from this podcast. It's definitely adding to it since we're reading more. But I'm just, the more comics I'm reading, I'm just more like, why can't everything be invincible and progress? <laughs> you go through You go through spells like that with media, right? Where you're like, I'm not going to consume this type of thing oh yeah I, I won't play video games for like three months at a time yeah or something like that so if we need to take a break on the podcast no 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 no. we should I, be having this conversation <laughs> <laughs> instead of in the outro you could, i say nothing in the outro you could end this at any point <laughs> i haven't done the outro we stopped we stopped in the middle of it uh, the algorithm fuels the podcast so uh rate us five stars to get us up in the chart if Wait, you don't I, want it to go did on i literally hiatus. stop you in the middle you literally did that sorry my bl- my since i have nothing to say my brain just goes blank once you start talking <laughs> part of me probably thought we were done i'm sorry joe <laughs> email us at only 52 podcast at gmail.com with reviews and recommendations <laughs> And we'll be back next week with Ultimate Spider-Man. See ya.